It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Little brown men sat or crouched. The masters of the camp were all awake, but twice as many dogs, exhausted and footsore, lay curled in heaps, as inanimate as if dead. There was present a strange silence, and a strange and unnatural gloom, that was not of the night alone, a silence broken only by the low moaning of the wind out on the barren, the restlessness in the air above the treetops, and the crackling of the fires. The Eskimos were as motionless as so many dead men. Their round, expressionless eyes were wide open. They sat or crouched with their backs to the barren, their faces turned into the still deeper blackness of the forest. Some distance away, like a star, there gleamed the small and steady light in the cabin window. For two hours the eyes of those about the fires had been fixed on that light, and at intervals there had risen from among the stony-faced watchers the little chief, whose clacking voice joined for a few moments each time the wailing of the wind, the swish of the low-hanging sky, and the crackling of the fires. But there was sound of no other voice or movement. He alone moved and spoke, for to the others the clacking sounds he made was speech, words spoken each time for the man who lay dead in the cabin. A dozen times Pelletier and McVeigh had looked out to the fires, and looked each time at the hour. This time Billy said, "'They're moving, Pelly. They're jumping to their feet and coming this way.' He looked at his watch again. "'They're mighty good guessers. It's a quarter after twelve. When a chief or a big man dies, they bury him in the first hour of the new day. They're coming after Dean. He opened the door and stepped out into the night. Pelletier joined him. The Eskimos advanced without a sound and stopped in a shadowy group twenty paces from the cabin. Five of these little fur-clad men detached themselves from the others and filed into the cabin with the chief man at their head. As they bent over Dean, they began to chant a low monotone, which awakened little Isabel, who sat up and stared sleepily at the strange scene. Billy went to her and gathered her close in his arms. She was sleeping again when he put her down among the blankets. The Eskimos were gone with their burden, 
he could hear the low chanting of the tribe. "'I found her, and I thought she was mine,' said Pelletier's low voice at his side. "'But she ain't, Billy. She's yours.' McVeigh broke in on him as though he had not heard. "'You better get to bed, Pelly,' he warned. "'That arm needs rest. I'm going out to see where they bury him.' He put on his cap and heavy coat and went as far as the door, then turned back. From his kit he took a belt-axe and nails. The wind was blowing more strongly over the barren, and McVeigh could no longer hear the low lament of the Eskimos. He moved toward their fires and found them deserted of men, only the dogs remaining in their death-like sleep. And then, far down the edge of the timber, he saw a flare of light. Five minutes later he stood hidden in a deep shadow, a few paces from the Eskimos. They had dug the grave early in the evening, out on the great snow-plain, free of the trees, and as the fire they had built lighted up in their dark round faces, McVeigh saw the five little black men who had borne forth Scotty Dean leaning over the shallow hole in the frozen earth. Scotty was already gone. The earth and ice and frozen moss were falling in upon him, and not a sound fell now from the thick lips of his savage mourners. In a few minutes the crude work was done, and like a thin black shadow the natives filed back to their camp. Only one remained, sitting cross-legged at the head of the grave, his long narwhal spear at his back. It was Oglakluk, the Eskimo chief, guarding the dead man from the devils who come to steal body and soul during the first few hours of burial. Billy went deeper into the forest until he found a thin, straight sapling, which he cut down with half a dozen strokes of his belt-axe. From the sapling he stripped the bark, and then he chopped off a third of its length and nailed it crosswise to what remained. After that he sharpened the bottom end and returned to the grave, carrying the cross over his shoulder. Stripped to whiteness, it gleamed in the firelight. The Eskimo watcher stared at it for a moment, his dull eyes burning darker in the night, for he knew that after this two gods, and not one, were to guard the grave. Billy drove the cross deep, and as the blows of his axe fell upon it, the Eskimo slunk back until he was swallowed in the gloom. When McVeigh was done, he pulled off his cap but it was not to pray. "'I'm sorry, old man,' he said to what was under the cross. "'God knows I'm sorry. I wish you was alive. I wish you was going back to her with the kid instead of me. But I'll keep that promise. I swear it. I'll do what's right by her.' From the forest he looked back. The Eskimo chief had returned to his somber watch. The cross gleamed a ghostly white against the thick blackness of the barren. He turned his face away for the last time, and there filled him the oppression of a leaden hand, a thing that was both dread and fear. Scotty Dean was dead, dead and in his grave. 
and yet he walked with him now at his side. He could feel the presence, and that presence was like a warning, stirring strange thoughts within him. He turned back to the cabin and entered softly. Pelletier was asleep. Little Isabel was breathing the sweet forgetfulness of childhood. He stooped and kissed her silken curls, and for a long time he stood with one of those soft curls between his fingers. In a few years more, he thought, it would be the darker golden brown of the woman's hair, of the woman he loved. Slowly a great peace entered into him. After all, there was more than hope ahead for him. She, the older Isabel, knew that he loved her as no other man in the world could love her. He had given proof of that. And now he was going to her. End of chapter 13 Recording by Roger Moline